0: Hi, we're here with Chris Kong today from
1: Dearborn. From
0: Dearborn. Yep. And we're going to talk a bit about his amazing granola.
1: Sweet. That
0: journey and how he came to Singapore. Not by airplane.
1: <laughs> not by airplane. <laughs>
0: all right so do you want to go into how we met yeah in short
1: uh in short we had a a very a mutual friend named marty martin uh who loved to eat granola and he was consistent every week since we started and uh i was just like hey we're kind of looking for a space and he was like hey i know somebody maybe you guys want to meet and i was like sure let's go meet (laughs) so i went down and i met steph uh she was very friendly very lively and we just kind of clicked off the bat yep and, and it's like, hey, let's, uh, let's do something and make it work.
0: Yep. And, and it's one of those things that you just cannot plan. Because no. I didn't expect to... When I put out that was, well, I wanted to share the space, I didn't expect for someone, like the first person to came to come in, be the person who takes the space. And we've been working together ever since September?
1: Yeah, for a month now.
0: For a month now. Pretty and it's solid. been amazing.
1: Pretty solid.
0: I get free granola, you guys have to camp.
1: Granola for life now. <laughs> granola for
0: life. <laughs> Alright, so um, how you came to plant your base in Singapore? Do you want to talk about like your culinary journey?
1: Um, yeah, sure. Wait, so- wait,
0: wait. I'm going to give you two minutes okay. to make it fun. I have a timer here. Ready, go. Uh,
1: so I ended in Singapore after about a year and a half in Malaysia okay. after I graduated college. Uh, I didn't intend to stay here. Uh, I worked for Gisawa and Wakugin, um, which were really, really great restaurants to be part of. And at the time, Singapore was coming up. And I really enjoyed it. And then I met my wife, uh, Christy. uh, Christy!
0: Christy,
1: who is from here. Uh, Amazing DOP. So we met here. We got married. uh, We went back to New York for three years. uh, And then we actually came back to Singapore and decided to stay and plant some roots here. Um, and then, after obviously traveling around and kind of working at some of the best restaurants in the world, it was kind of time to kind of figure out what we wanted to do. Um, so I decided why not do a little private dining kind of supper club Um, we had a space in Singapore that we were able to kind of renovate and make into our own space and it kind of organically happened as like a place for just friends and family to come and for me to kind of just figure out the brand and build some connections and then it became this thing that was like booked up for the whole year and everybody and their mom were coming and I was just like okay well this is going to be something but we're going to lose our house for a little bit but um we're going to try to make it happen um and it was really good for about almost two years and then obviously covid happened um so we had to pivot and luckily we were able to have this product of granola that we were giving people when they came to our supper club um Mm -hmm. that we were able to pivot to and start serving granola and now we're not maybe necessarily doing Plated dinners and the courses were actually just now on your dinner tables for breakfast lunch and dinner I guess or a snack or anything. So yeah, so that's kind of like a rough two minutes of how it happened.
0: Wow <laughs> Wow guys, he did it <laughs> It's like Sounds... accurately two minutes. Yeah. Good job. Great chef. You know, <laughs> Time-sensitive. Oh, it didn't ring. I wanted to go to uh, It's oh. all good. Anyhow. Okay, so do you want to talk a little bit more about the Dealborn brand? And so, I mean, he gave you the gist of it. It was a supper club. And then it was it ran out of his home right. four nights a week.
1: Yeah, three to four nights a week, depending on who. Uh, and it who. was like
0: two years of that. And yeah, then was- we, our circuit breaker came... And they had given out the granola for... For dinner, to
1: people to take home for the next day So they could have something to enjoy And kind of just remember the night before Um, And it was something that was just, you know People to have to remind them But they really liked it and they wanted us to sell it But didn't have the space to do it At that time At that time Uh, And then after COVID happened We were like, okay, let's just do 50 of these on Instagram And see what happens Sold out in like 30 minutes Then we upped it up to like maybe like less than 180 to 100 and then that's about my two minutes. And then every <laughs> week it just kept on going faster and faster. And like there are people messaging me and people were like, like it was like, Sneakers. The race for
0: granola is on! It was
1: like sneaker drops, so like yeah, every yeah, 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 Monday yeah. at 12 you had to be there and like the fastest fingers would get it and you would get it. And If yeah. you didn't get it then you have to wait till next week. Yeah,
0: he's the granola hype guy.
1: So it was it was really interesting to, to see that happen organically yeah. too. and, yeah. uh, and, and zero
0: dollar marketing Yeah, outside of Instagram. Yeah, and, it was, and Christy's amazing um, photography skills. Yeah,
1: she, she does all the website and all the logistics and she is my better half. And yeah, Dearborn wouldn't have been possible them, without them without her and my sister-in-law Kim. the
0: dynamic duo yeah trio
1: yeah
0: um so then so because of that he needed to up the production
1: right or so we just... so we needed to scale up and we were thinking okay we're pivoting to this it's doing really well how can we like translate this into a business that would work and kind of like be beneficial to to what we wanted to do and with this kind of whole new kind of era of like Business food F and B that we're kind of going to, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So we decided to bottle it, pack it, and try to scale it, and introduce new flavors and be part of uh, your your morning. Yeah, yeah.
0: And I think that's what, actually why I wanted him on the show as show on this thing as well because um, I think that. How it came about so organically is very important for me. I always believe in organic growth when you don't try too hard, but when you have a good product and sh- like there's good branding, like that's where Christy comes into play. So, a good product from Chris and then a good, the good branding and marketing from Christy, your product is so strong that, and it's not cheap to be honest with you. A jar is $28, but the food cost isn't cheap either, and the labor cost and all that, running it out of their home. He was washing jars until his skin broke. Because they didn't have a dishwasher. I mean, it's different now. A your jars by hand. He washes your jars by hand. And um, to see that happen, and then and then a lot of people could have been like, okay, so we're doing this well, and like, okay, this is just how I'm going to settle. But for Chris, I guess he's a trained chef, and where he's come from, okay, so what's the next step? Finding a space of production within means, and re- like realistic, pragmatic means, right, right. Um, which is why he's here now. And um, doing
1: it. So I guess like spend? a lot of it kind of happened like you said organically and uh, we were just kind of adapting to the, to the situation that was happening. And, and for us fortunate, enough, we had about a year and a half two years to kind of build the brand and kind of have this following, that people knew us and knew what our brand stand for, and I think that's that's very important as well. Especially the product that we put out, people know that they're expecting a certain level of of quality with the craft and and intent, and and even for us, even with the granola, we're approaching it as if I'm like cooking a dish or creating a dish. So all the ingredients are traceable, and we go organic where we can, uh, and it's really important to to kind of make a circular economy and and try to reduce waste as much as we can because that was the ethos that we had at Dearborn and that's still going to translate to whatever business model that uh, we intend to go forward with. So I think it's important for people uh, when they do see the price that that's not the only thing that they're looking at, that there are other things that go into it that factor in that that we try to uh, be responsible for as as a business and like
0: the returning of jars and you right. get like and cash you get
1: back. two dollars back. It's yep. like it's kind of like who would give you money back as a business, you know? And it's it's kind of this thing that we want to create um, when we're setting in place for for our business to start. And I think those are very important things for us, especially. And uh, yeah, and and. and you can hopefully people see that and appreciate that as well.
0: And that's why I think I believe in Chris's future because I feel like that should be the future of our F&B. like just the whole sector should just be that way. And so, what's the future of granola for you?
1: So right, so right now, what we we're planning these little stepping stones to get to the next thing is kind of scale the production a bit more uh, to be able to actually have other products underneath the Dearborn brand focus on a bit more e-commerce and kind of just growing the brand and and being more part of uh, people's lives in a way that we can. Um, Do you want to
0: give a little tidbit of what might be coming
1: up? So we may be doing a little bit of, like, some of our CB Madelines. We have some spices and popcorns and spreads. Some other other baked goods. Possibly English muffins. And we're going to try to do, possibly, a taco Tuesday kind of drop kind of thing. So so there are a couple things along the pipelines that we're working on. um, But that's some of the product that we'll do. And then, I guess, the end game or, like, what we're trying to build is this brand that will kind of have a space on its own that will kind of grow organically and kind of change with, with the times and what people want. Uh, but then also being able to have my passion project, which I'm a trained chef for 15 years. So obviously I do want to create and be able to entertain people and kind of have this space. And I think that is something that will happen later on. Uh, it's just postponed for the moment. but. I think. We something
0: similar to the supper club?
1: Something similar to the supper club. But not
0: like a, a, its own space.
1: It's its own space, but something that's intimate still and kind of mm. small, I so think. So like a
0: sushi bar type like over the counter type thing. Something other,
1: yeah, where you're interacting directly with me and, and and you have this time with me that you're here and we're spending it together and, and we're see gonna how enjoy it. Right. And you can see all the all the things that we do and, and it's a fun time, you know, and I want it to be like relaxed but we still look to like fine dining and um, for execution and techniques and stuff like that. But just a place where you can come hang out because um, that's kind of like how I want to interact and cook with people and hang out with people as well too so translate that into that but you know these are just things that uh we hope to have in the dream so we'll see what happens
0: but I mean what I think is amazing that is that you actually have the plan for the future as well it's not just like being complacent about what you have in the now and I think like that's advice for a lot of um people out there or like or people who started something and then it did quite well and then they don't know what to do with it I think it's always to like he said have a sustainable future and be realistic about your goals. And I think that's important and that's why like, I back Chris, I wash jars.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs> um,
0: um, do you want to talk a little bit about the science of your granola? Like how do you actually choose, okay, mango with what, like strawberries with coconut?
1: Um, so a lot of it is honestly like just kind of traditional flavor combinations that I think are pretty standard and pretty tasty. It's also a lot of it is asking Kim and Christy what they like and And it basically goes through a test run of like all three of us have to like it in order for it to to go on the flavor.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but I mean that it's pretty endless I think. I think fortunate with me like being a chef there's like these things that I'm willing to try and there's combinations may not work or more something more savory or less sweet but I'm willing to try it just because you know why not. Um, but for us it's, it's yeah a lot of it comes down to customer feedback and I think in the beginning when we were actually doing all the deliveries ourselves too and meeting the customers and talking to them one, one by one, but also people coming here now and self-collecting, we're asking them, you know, we're trying to see what they like, what they don't like. You know, if, if somebody's daughter, they really like granola, but they can't have seeds. So, oh. so he told me, hey, you should do granola without seeds. Or not nuts. seeds, nuts. Yeah. She can't have nuts. So, like, we were thinking about what can we do with, like, seeds and fruits and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we take into consideration a lot of feedback that customers give us as well. We also look, like, what's at the market. But also, for me, as, as an American growing up in the U.S., like, granola, I never understood, like, not understood, but, our breakfast is always something of, like a fruit or like a chocolate or something kind of like savory or nutty and I kind of just kind of stay along towards that mm. I know a lot of times granolas here they have like gul malacca or pandan and things like that and I think that's great um, and people do that really well here and we're not going to try to like compete and do that yep. we want to kind of do something that's true to us and, mm. and to our background and, and where I came from kind of thing, so.
0: Nice. I also want people to know, like, the flavors that come out every week on Dearborn are different flavors, Right. but it's not like she's just like, okay, chocolate, I feel like uh-huh. raspberry, I feel like this and that. So she yes, has a thing where it's like, what, one nut, one what do you always tell me like it's
1: it's like we always like we do every other week we rotate so now we have a subscription for people so they don't have to fight the lines so you can just get it whenever every week
0: subscribe yeah
1: um so it's basically like we try to do like a a chocolate nut savory kind of thing one week and then the next week some kind of fruit uh or seed or uh something along that so it rotates every other week so you're not going to get the same one
0: see there's a reason behind what he does because i think this kind of stuff don't doesn't get told on Instagram or people don't understand. He puts thought into it.
1: Yeah, so we want to make sure that people, when they're getting it for the subscription, that they have a little bit of choice and a difference, and it's not something same.
0: So subscribe. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It guarantees you a jar, basically, what the subscription is, so that you don't have to, like, at 12 o'clock, fight for that 30-minute window. Right. I also want to talk about, like, what your thoughts are on... Like like you said, the current FNB trend and what it's going to be like in the future. Because I mean, we have briefly spoken about it before, but I've never really heard like you know like your full like not an analysis, but you know right, like right. You really think From about what I think about our FNB culture in Singapore can go or will be slowly going through as like after post coronavirus.
1: I think in the world in general too, not just Singapore, yeah. but I think Singapore is a unique place because we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble mm-hmm. and we're still fortunate enough to be able to go out and enjoy and do other things yep. without, I mean, some limitations, but still, businesses are still, if you are if you have a good reputation, you, you'll be okay. Um, I think going forward for F&B, especially anybody who wants to go on F&B, they have to think about not just solely relying on, like, I think a physical space. Like, I think you need to go in like, e-commerce or, like, Diversify and have another source of cash flow coming in. It can't just be like the traditional way if you think about it like Traditionally, you open a place. It's a physical restaurant. You sit and you wait for people to come in. Yep Your margins are small already and then some days are better than and others. you depend
0: a lot on alcohol. Right. A lot of times And now like there's a cutoff in most places.
1: Right, right, you right. Can drink.
0: So it actually cuts your revenue
1: So that, that hinders it a bit as well yep. so I think going forward people need to think about the longevity of something but also produce something that can diversify mm-hmm. and not just focus solely on one thing. Yep. I think that's going to be very important um, going forward. But nobody really kind of knows how this model is going to be. We all kind have an idea. And I think everybody in the restaurant knew that the model had to change eventually, but we didn't know it was going to come so quick. Yep. Um, and now that it did and it showed how vulnerable it is, um, we need to pivot and try to like kind of build this new kind of, fmd industry yep. um which is still people are figuring it out as well and i think if you're able to pivot and kind of like survive through this covid i think you'll be you'll be able to survive like most things yeah. um but but yeah it's it's uh, it's interesting times and it, it's fun to be a part of and i'm op- optimistic about it at the same time um we're very lucky with what we have yep. and uh not so everybody is so lucky as well, too, but...
0: Yeah. Like for me, I noticed like in the CBD, which we are in, um, people are coming back for lunch. I think Chris also noticed that like during lunch it gets a little bit busier. Yeah. I think what I love so much about the industry is talking to customers, building that rapport, and it's what he loves as well, which is why when people come to self-collect on Fridays and Saturdays, and they have windows, so it's not like any, everyone comes at the same time to also facilitate social distancing. Um, they come in and he has like one-on-one chats with everyone, And that's what I miss, I miss like the person-to-person like interaction and so when you say like you know moving towards the future you can't just have a place where people can sit down I mean possibly they can like if what you want to do is like such a private dining type thing right. where It's like five people, right, then you still get that kind of inter- It's like, you gonna have to change. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah
1: Not everybody's gonna want to be out of big groups and like random yeah, people you don't know correct.
0: Yeah. So for, like even for sugarfin where we used to depend we have to depend on volume because that's what coffee is Coffee is right. five dollars. You need to serve like, what a hundred coffees a day, 200 coffees a day to hit like the thousand of. $2,000 right and that would be healthy revenue but right now like we cannot depend on volume because it's not we're not even supposed to be encouraging that so that's the challenge right now and that's why I want to bring in like pop-ups and do weekend stuff where it's like you, can, you guys can probably come but you can hang out outside and so that we um, can still be like social distancing and stuff but like that's also me from a place where we depend so much on volume to pivot and think about the future and how we can still have that like customer and, and, and you know service interaction but still make more money than we do just selling coffees
1: yeah, I think it's, it's important like I think customers have to know too like that's gonna change to the way they think. How it used to be is is when you go out to dine, it's going to be that when you go out, it's going to be different. It's going to look different. And I think people have to be able to accept that as well, too, if we want to grow and and change, you know. um,
0: And support. Right, right.
1: Right. And I think that's the big thing. And I think it's hard if you have like a concept driven place without necessarily somebody behind it or a face to put with. I think it makes it. A bit difficult with people to kind of build this relationship or have this connection with yeah. that brand whereas like, I think because you're here every day I'm here like people see that so they can yeah. associate that. And it I think-
0: kind of became the PR face of the brand. right? But I guess also that's how we run our business. It's very people focused. Right. The customer like satisfaction and we genuinely want to make them happy with the food or the drinks and whatever. Um, I can't say the same for, like, the whole FMB industry, but, like, I guess for us and, and the people that we know in this industry, I think we're all kind of, like, driven in that way. Um, so, yeah, the customer needs to understand that, like, things will change, and I hope that they keep supporting us Taco Tuesdays. <laughs> I keep asking Chris to do Taco Tuesdays because he says, like, he makes some mean fish tacos.
1: We're going to make it happen. We're going to make, make it happen.
0: happen. Taco Tuesdays, guys, plug. <laughs> um, yeah, but, okay, so... Um, outside of everything that you just mentioned, like for probably people who are at home, like having startups and stuff to have like more sustainable, um, for looking at future and not just focus on like the right now, because I don't think that we can ever go back to the old normal or like the, the, you know, our old ways, I feel like in that way, COVID. As much as it was so hard and almost had to close my shop, forced me to actually use my brain more, right, right, right. which actually makes me quite happy right now. Like, yeah. like you know, in retrospect, yeah, because yeah. like I was so comfortable, and then it pushed you in such an uncomfortable space. And like you said, if you can survive this and you can really move your brain and think, I mean, we're just talking about the FMB industry or like how we work in the FMB industry. But for whatever thing you're doing, I'm sure there's a way, or just think of a way so that I don't know. It's like passion versus money versus the longevity of it and make it
1: work i think yeah i mean you're you're backed up in the corner and you got to like figure out how to survive right like i mean what are you going to do to survive do you really want to survive or yeah. do you want to just kind of skip by like, yeah you yeah. know and i think it's hard, you know, and I think it's kind of cool to see a lot of, like, these home-based businesses uh, starting up and stuff like mm-hmm. that and, and people supporting it. I think that's, that's a huge thing, and I hope, like, there's more support behind it, and I hope that small businesses, whatever they do right now, I hope they also think about the longevity of it and not just the short-term. Of, yep. Because um, um, that's really important, too. Yep. As they say in the restaurant industry, you don't want to be a flash in the pan. What does that mean? Like just something in a pan that flashes like can be flambe, but it's oh, really quick okay. and then it goes yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wants to build something that's like, you know, strong with roots that are gonna grow. Like yeah. what's that saying? Rome was not built in one day.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for plugging that. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> talk about talk about. Talk.
1: So,
0: <laughs> no, talk about, okay. so we need no. to give a bit of context yeah, about that. So yes, give the
1: that. context about you okay. growing up in, like, that setting. Um, so I grew up, uh, I was born in San Francisco, grew up in Seattle. Uh, my parents both are in the restaurant business So well. We grew up in the restaurant business. They have an Italian restaurant in Seattle for 27 years. So I grew up in the business, grew up as a kid, like, washing dishes, doing all that stuff. And my dad is very boisterous and very... Uh, Entertaining, I would say. Um, and they both just retired this year and they sold their space right before COVID, which was like really, really good. Um, so now they're self quarantining in an RV and driving yes. around uh, the US. That's a dream. Um, so it's been pretty great for them. And we're fortunate we don't have to worry about them too much. They're by themselves. They like go into the store like maybe every three weeks to get supplies and they're like on this beautiful uh, setting and just like watching the sunrise, campfire, and it's been pretty great.
0: That's the dream. Uh, that's the dream retirement plan. Yeah, get in RV, drive around.
1: <laughs> so my dad gets bored, like as he does, because he's retired now. So
0: used to working, like
1: so used to working, so used to having something to do. Yeah. So he started like, oh, let's just do some fun YouTube videos. And my mom like loves recording and doing things on her iPhone. We call her like Miss Apple because she's like the one that has like this weekly subscription of going in and talking to the Apple guys and <laughs> making her own websites and doing these like cool little videos. Like, wow, amazing! And, like. She does it all by herself and she can fly a drone for being like almost 70 years old and yeah. still doing all this is yeah. pretty That pretty would be cool. me someday. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they started a little YouTube video called Kong Can Cook.
0: Kong Can Cook.
1: Um, so yes. And uh, it's
0: always set in like these like crazy nice like settings in nature. I'm a nature person.
1: So yeah, so they'll be standing outside, they'll be a table, he'll uh, have this thing and he'll just like go on. For, and his
0: sarong. And his sarong with armor, the, armor, the bandana. Armor, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, it's uh, yeah, it's really it's amazing. You guys it's need to
0: so go. I'll put the link there somewhere, <laughs> and you guys need to go on oh, this YouTube thing about yeah, it. It's such a dream.
1: But yes, it's retirement, happy retirement. Yeah.
0: So outside of all this Corona talk and all that, I also want you guys to know that there are people out there who are also pivoting in a way and living their best life. So there is also that. Um, I don't know. I like to end things with a positive note. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So that's Kong Can Cook. This is Chris Kong, and. Um, I'm Steph, and um, I think we should say goodbye.
1: And we should not say goodbye. Yes. yes. <laughs> happy Monday.
0: Happy Monday. I mean, I'll post it on a Friday. Oh, happy but... Friday? <laughs> oh, also look out for Chris's new hat coming out soon. We it's got, some, we got made, some holiday things. Made, with
1: made from Topiku. Yeah, uh, Topiku. Topiku is a great company that we're working with to make some sustainable hats, guys. Yes.
0: So look out for that as well. Thank you.
1: I'll buy the Arch
0: T-shirts too.